0: What is going on everybody, Bryce kicks podcast back at it with another podcast, right? Um, thanks everybody for tuning in to last week's episode. Um, and this week we have our first guest of the new year and that is my dad, Steven. Hi everybody. Excellent. So today we're gonna to be talking about something very, very interesting, right? Something that you've heard on the news and that is boobs. We're gonna be talking about breasts and all that other, I'm just joking guys, ha ha ha, right? No, so we're going to be talking about cannabis um, and how it has affected uh, Canada since its uh, legalization on October seventeenth, right? October seventeenth. October seventeenth, two thousand eighteen. There you go. So it's a new time, and it's all over the news. So I figured, uh, why not get somebody who is very close to me and who is, I I guess, at this point, sort of like an industry expert. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So let's. uh, Like, what's your what's your title in terms of your relation to the cannabis industry?
1: Uh, Well, I've been involved in the cannabis industry since late 2016. Um, uh, Primarily on the medical side, I was recruited as a president of the Alternative Health Association of Canada. So our mandate really was to work alongside Health Canada and to really better the journey, the experience and the outcome of uh, Canadians from coast to coast. that wanted to explore alternative health care options with a obviously a major focus on uh, cannabis.
0: That's crazy, and what's that been like for you?
1: Um, it's hey, It's been a crazy journey. I mean, the really? industry has changed, you know, tenfold or a hundredfold uh, just in the last year. Um, I just came back from Vancouver. I was attending the Lyft uh, Conference and Expo, and, you know, we were talking about stats and the future of the cannabis market, and, you know, the, the numbers were staggering. Like, um, on the uh, recreation side, uh, since legalization in October 17th to December 31st, um, the OCS, the Ontario Cannabis Store, sold $800 million in cannabis <sighs> products. That's
0: just insane.
1: And the medical and legal, this is not the black market, but the legal recreational market combined with the medical market in 2018 was $5.7 billion in sales. That's insane. It's insane, considering that uh, the LCBO's revenue is about $11 billion. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of industry experts, uh, some analysts at CIBC originally forecasted that cannabis will eventually outsell um,
0: alcohol and all indications are that could be a reality. And it's so weird because for, for so many years, right, it was demonized as something that, you know, was, you know, affecting troubled youth and just doing all kinds of different crimes and... All that other crazy stuff but now it's just gained this wind right and and you know it's it's gotten the attention of not only people who are using it personally right but also people sort of like yourself who see the opportunity in the industry right because even i know a bunch of guys that i work with who um don't use it at all but they're all over the stocks and you know they were waiting for october to happen um you know for their stocks to sort of start booming and in the cannabis companies that they invested in
1: yeah, well, I mean, it's the new frontier, right? And it's uh, certainly the new fastest growth industry in, in North America, probably the world. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I lived uh, in the tech world throughout the dot-com days, and the similarities between the two are, you know, uh, very similar. So, you know, you've got companies that have way overvaluated valuations, and everyone, like the gold rush, right, trying to find mm-hmm. their little niche where they can, you
0: know, make money in this space. It, it, one thing I have noticed though, is that I feel like not everybody or people expected it, expected the stocks to sort of explode and all this revenue would come in, but I, from what I've been hearing, that's not exactly what happened. I know a couple of guys, like I mentioned who invested in these cannabis companies, but the, the margin of profit for what they initially had invested in hasn't sort of necessarily gotten there yet. Have you heard anything about that?
1: Yeah, no, that's very true. So, like I said, a lot of them are overvaluated. and that's why it's mm-hmm. a very volatile market. And you see the stocks, you know, going up and going down almost on a daily basis. But what what causes that? It's just um, you know people are betting on certain organizations, and then um, you know what they're not uh, they're losing crops, or they're they're not developing uh, you know the product, and mm-hmm. they're not able to provide this supply and demand right. that's in, in the. Current and that, I think
0: that's one of the trends that I've been hearing lately is like. Not inconsistencies with this industry, but and you've I've heard you mention this in the past is sort of like kind of nobody knows what really what they're doing, right? So there's a lot of trials and tribulations that have come along the way since October, since you know October of even 2017 when this sort of thing started was first announced or whatnot, but it seems like they're kind of just winging it, right?
1: Well, it's because it's not a mature market, so there's not a lot of people aside from. You know, handfuls of, uh, you know, past criminals that have been, you know, uh, cropping this product for the last 20, 30 years. Um, You know, one of the things, one of the stats that came out of the conference was, you know, if you looked on uh, LinkedIn, there was, um, I think, 1,300 employees a year ago that were, you know, working in the cannabis sector, and now there's 30,000. Yeah. So... That's just
0: insane. Yeah. Uh,
1: And Canada will will lead the charge, and Canada will be a great training ground Mm -hmm. So, you know, a year ago, there was, what, eight countries that were fully legalized. Now there's 35. Yeah. And so as they grow and expand, and they're going to come to Canada to recruit the people here that have the hands-on, you know, first
0: experience. Now, would you say Canada is the first country to legalize it federally, or the the biggest country to legalize it federally? It is, without a doubt, yeah. So why do you think the U.S. hasn't been, uh, you know... As fast as uh, as it is at Canada in terms of legalizing it federally
1: no I think well i mean there's uh, what nine states that are uh, or twenty states that are legalized now is it twenty that yeah that'll be growing um, there's talk of new states uh, legalizing uh, obviously every day, and I think that my personal opinion is that the you know the two thousand and twenty um, uh, federal election uh, you know a lot of the platform for uh, people running for election is going to be federal legalization right across the board.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like a lot of it now and and in the past year has been, you know, the pharma, big pharma, right? The pharmaceutical companies sort of putting their foot on it just because they are... Want to sell their opiates or not, not necessarily opiates, but they want to use the, the resources that they're used to. And since this uh, cannabis space is so emerging and new, they've probably wanted to put a foot on it this way it doesn't take away from their margins. Would you say that's sort of true? Yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: And all the, all the major pharmacies. I mean, mm-hmm. we just saw that, um, you know, Shoppers Drug Mart has just gone live with their retail website and they'll be selling cannabis online. Um, it's just everybody wants a piece mm-hmm. of this business, right? And, and why not? Yeah. You know, a lot of the big pharma companies are consciously uh, making decisions to stop manufacturing opioids. Mm-hmm. And what's going to replace it? It's going to be, you know, CBD or THC products. Mm-hmm. And they want to sort of replace the revenue that they're going to yeah. lose on the opioids.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. And especially with uh, the opioids on the news lately, just wrecking a havoc people in Silicon Valley and places like Florida, where the deaths have just been astronomical, right, with fentanyl and all these other crazy things. So it's only logical that, you know, we're able to use these natural products that are able to provide similar or the same benefits to people and to patients who actually need it, right? Um, Right. But
1: another interesting stat that, uh, you know, we talked about at the conference was that the the black market um, is sort of winning the rec world, right? Based, based specifically on price. Mm-hmm. And so, so it'll be a commoditized product where it'll have to be offered cheaper and cheaper in order to you know, to, to gain long, longevity of clients. Now of I, saw, I
0: saw, I read somewhere that cannabis is 50%, uh, cannabis through the OCS is 50% uh, higher in price than it is on the black market. But I don't. I find that hard to believe, because in my experiences purchasing it in the past, both on the OCS and off of right through friends, whatever drug dealers, whatever, is that it was always the The thing was always like ten dollars for a gram, and it's still sort of in that range now, right? Yeah, it it's, hasn't
1: changed drastically.
0: Yeah, and the, that's the difference
1: really is. I mean, if you're buying from the OCS or you're buying from a licensed producer, if you have a medical document, you know what's in the product. Yeah. Right versus buying it on the black market. You don't know
0: Yeah, there's inconsistencies, right? It's not mold, like... contaminants. <clears throat> yeah. Um,
1: you know, we've all heard stories of, you know, growers spraying their leaves with the Windex so that the you know, buds look shinier and healthier. Yeah, and they're and denser. Yeah, when you when you buy it from a credible source or from the government, you know that, you know, that's pretty much medical grade cannabis. Yeah. And you know as well when you're buying it, you know, what the Relative levels are of THC versus CBD, mm-hmm. you know exactly, you know You can pick up the different kind of strains and you find and you can quickly find out Hey, if you know, my cannabinoid system doesn't allow for high THC levels Then you can pick that where when you're buying it from Johnny down the street. Yeah, you never like every every buzz is gonna be a little bit yeah, different, a little right? bit different literally. and you never know what you're gonna get
0: and I think uh, over time We're gonna see a big improvement in that so when it comes to alcohol, right? You get a beer, you that beer is gonna affect you the exact same way every single time. But it's not exactly true for cannabis, right? If you smoke a joint or if you take a puff, it, it varies drastically, right? Because there's different levels of THC and I think that it'll be actually a really positive thing because it'll eventually equalize and you will have more information and consumers will have more experience purchasing products. So they'll be able to make more educated guess as to how certain strains of cannabis and how certain products will affect them. And I right. think that's is really, really important, especially, um, for the, one of the big laws that have come out about uh, impaired driving with cannabis, you know, um, it, it, you can, for most people, right, most adults, you can have one drink and get behind the wheel and that's perfectly fine. But cannabis is still on that sort of shakier side where you're not exactly sure. So I think that once research becomes more available and the products get better and more consistent with what they're delivering in terms of THC content, we'll see, I think that we'll actually see a reduction in terms of like, uh, you know, impaired driving charges due to cannabis and stuff like that. But uh, you, Right, you and never they'll go. have
1: to perfect the the equipment that the police officers and the frontline guys use. Because uh, right now, all it is, their detecting system uh, strictly detects whether you have THC in your system or not. But mm-hmm. not but it, it doesn't break it down in terms, like it does on the alcohol side, that yeah. you're, you know, how many milligrams you have of alcohol in your blood strain. Right, in your blood strain. right. and I've so, uh, yeah. Continue. So sorry, no, somebody could take a very low, almost minuscule THC level because it's pretty much a CBD product uh, for pain or anxiety or whatever, in which case doesn't have a lot of psychoactive properties in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they probably are relatively fine to drive, mm-hmm. uh, but this test won't be able to detect that. So they'll yeah. be charged and, you know, they'll end up in court with their prescription saying that it's, you know what, they, they weren't psychoactively affected and... Mm-hmm you know, a lot of charges I think are going to be dropped. And so they'll have to fine tune and perfect that equipment.
0: Yeah. There's been a lot of controversy over the, uh, over that machine that they're using. I was just mentioning this earlier, but the name of the machine is called the Draeger drug test 5000, which I think is a bit of a goofy name. Sounds like one of those old vacuums that salesmen would sell like, Oh, it's a Succomatic 1000, whatever. But I've actually heard that, uh, you know, some of the controversy is that it takes too long in order to do a field test. Um, I'm not exactly sure the procedure, but I've heard it takes too long I've heard that it's not as consistent as it should be and I've heard that cops are instead just opting out in as opposed to Even though they have the option to do it they will They won't actually uh, Perform this drug test, but um, it's still like a shaky area, right? It's sort of it's always at the end of the day up to officers discretion if I'm not if I'm correct, right? Um, so if he feels that you're too I guess, high, or if you're too impaired by marijuana or cannabis, then, you know, is that true? Can they just be like, hey, you look like you're fried right now? Like, you, yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. But there are lots to the use their discretion. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and still charge you, proceed with the charge as yeah, absolutely. impaired driving. Absolutely. That's interesting. Um But at the end of the day, it is the most important thing because... You know, and we can talk about sort of like the Cannabis Act and the number one thing that that pillar of the Cannabis Act is keeping cannabis away from kids. Right. So, you know, when you think of new drivers, right, you get your permit at 16. And when you're 16, you're in high school and you're exposed to drugs and alcohol at at an early age. And that's just the world that we live in. Right. So, the, the, the number one thing that you don't want is some, you know, new kid, unexperienced driver, number one, and unexperienced cannabis user to get behind the wheel and sort of figure it out on their own. Because that's no, no, definitely... Uh, but
1: uh, but even saying that, I mean, the biggest, the statistics indicate that distracted driving right. it causes a lot more accidents, especially for youth. Yeah. So oh, more... 100%. Police should be a little bit more worried of someone smoking a joint and getting behind the wheel than getting behind the wheel with their iPhone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, that's yeah, that's the number I mean, one cause of bad obviously, but uh, yeah and that's the number one cause of vehicle related deaths is distracted driving. And uh, in Ontario, they recently just increased the fines and demerit points for distracted driving. And that's just not, that's not including just technology, right? That includes eating behind the wheel, which I do all the time, or I used to do, um, you know, going to Tim Hortons on my way to work, just you have your bagel, you eat it there. Actually, last week for the first time, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, I went and stopped for a bagel at Tim Hortons and I, I actually pulled over in the parking lot. And I just munched it quick and then got on my way just because, you know, you never know, right? Like in my experience, getting caught with anything, it's always when you least expect it. So of course, in that moment, you're like, oh, let me just shove it down quick while I'm driving. But shit happens, man. And it would really be sad. Think of that. Think of getting a $2,000 fine or a $1,000 fine and six demerit points for eating a bagel while driving. That, would, that has to be the worst Thing that could ever happen, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost laughable, but um, yeah, impaired driving is, is is a really bad thing, and I, I think that you know, keeping it away from kids, you know, of course, in high school, they're gonna get their hands on it just like they do with alcohol and stuff like that. But uh, um, I, I don't know, what do you think about it? It's it's sort of obvious that you should keep it away from kids, but it's sort of weird in some senses that you know, the legal age is 19 to consume cannabis products, but like. The difference between age 19 and age 18, like, really, what is the difference? I don't yeah, know not saying. a big
1: difference, but I think it's like anything. I think they're more concerned about the 14 and 15-year-olds. Yeah, right. Of I mean, you know, we can put in laws and processes to stop, you know, or, or to avoid access for young people, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day... If they want it, they're going to get it. I mean, yeah. no different than tobacco products, right? Yeah. You have to be 19 years old to buy cigarettes, but I see a lot of 14, 15-year-old kids smoking. In it.
0: high school, yeah, for sure. For sure, in high school. those. Always... so they're going to get drugs,
1: and they're going to get alcohol, and mm-hmm. they'll do what they'll do.
0: Yeah. But, you know, I think, it's, I think it is good that they are putting it in place uh, um, to sort of mandate that and reduce it as much as possible. And one of the other things is, uh, one of the actual really good things that I've heard from this uh, sort of Cannabis Act that it came out uh, since October, 20, uh, October 17th is uh, reducing the number of Canadians with criminal records, right? So once it's legalized, you're going to see less petty crimes that are happening, you know, less, you know, teenagers, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds just simply carrying marijuana on them and then getting booked for that, right? Um, but one of the most important things, and I'd like for you to touch on it is, is um you know they 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 created an uh um they uh, how am i how do i say this for people who in the past who have sold 30 grams of cannabis or less those people are actually getting a pardon they're you know they're getting exempt from jail i think they do keep their charge though but at least they're they're seeing less severe punishments for people who've been charged with cannabis in the past so that's that's obviously a good thing
1: yeah i mean mixed emotions right like i mean. It- at the time that they committed uh, the offense, they were it was illegal. Yeah, right? it yeah. was illegal, and they were breaking the law. And right. I don't know if they turned around tomorrow and said, "Well, breaking and entering into residential homes is no longer illegal." Do we let everyone go that yeah. has broken into homes in the past and serve in prison time for that?
0: Yeah, and I think that the Canadian justice system is different in the U.S. in that it's they're not the the prisons the prisons aren't privatized, right? So there's no, not necessarily um, a real interest to keep people who have petty crimes in jails. So I think that that's one of the most important benefits of this whole thing is that at the very least, whatever you think of, you know, people who use cannabis now, the people who have used it in the past, if it's legal now, I I really do think that they should be pardoned from their crimes. But, um, you know, it's, it's sort of a tricky subject because... Like you mentioned, at the end of the day, while they were when they committed that crime, it was illegal, right? Um, and yeah,
1: yeah, but it's a double-edged sword, right? So yeah, you're right. Why are
0: they we sitting in jail
1: for doing something that other people can do now and don't receive any punishment for?
0: Yeah, um, and so one of the other pillars of the cannabis act is to uh, supply quality cannabis, right? And there's been a number of different things that uh, have happened on the news, and you mentioned it before, is that people are getting product that's moldy um, and, you know, different stuff like that. So do you work with LPs, right, which stands for Licensed Producers? I do, yes. And so do you know anything about the process as to how they harvest the marijuana or cannabis?
1: No, not in any great detail length, Mm -hmm. other than, like, walking through some of the facilities. Have you ever walked through the facilities? I have, yeah. When, When did you do that? Um... I did that uh, last summer. Really, eh? Yeah.
0: And so it was just a
1: big weed farm? Yeah, just a big. Isn't it crazy? Yeah, it's, like, it's just literally like a big greenhouse, yeah. other than, you know, everybody has special boots on and, uh, you know, masks over their face and over their hair. And it's, yeah. it's you feel like you're walking through a big, um, you know, like botanical garden, but it, it's actually treated like a medicine, medical right? Medical laboratory, yeah. right?
0: It's really cool. In terms cool.
1: of the cleanliness.
0: And I, I, it's sort of articulate, right? It, it, I feel like it's both an art and a science, just because a science in that it's treated like it's a medical product, but in an art that it, it is almost like a botanical garden, right? You have, sort of have to know what you're doing when it comes to harvesting you know, plants and stuff like that. But I remember just like through pop culture and media, there was a show called Weeds on, uh, I can't remember what network it was on, but it was a good show about a suburban mother who, whose husband passes away and the only way that she can feed her children is by selling marijuana, right? And there was a thing that like, oh, whenever you are passing through a residential area and it's snowy out, anybody who doesn't have snow on the roof, it means that the internal temperature of their house is is much higher. And that's because they're growing weed or whatever. They have like a grow up going on. Um, But it it is pretty crazy in terms of how people grow marijuana, right? There's like a certain number of water you have to put in. And then, you know, how you're treating it is, is really interesting. And I think... One of the things that you mentioned in the past is that you're, you're, you don't actually smoke the leaves. Right. The plants grow buds. Right. And you smoke the buds. Correct. Yeah. And that's, that's something I think a lot of people have learned recently. Well, because anytime you see
1: or in the past have seen anything cannabis related, you always see the green leaves. Yeah. It's always the leaf, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, I, you know what I mean? I, I was never a recreational user. So mm-hmm. I. Spent most of my adulthood life thinking, yeah, they dry out those green leaves, roll them, and that's what they're smoking. Yeah, it's I had crazy, no right? idea that it's actually like an actual butter flower mm-hmm. that grows on the plant.
0: Yes, and there's it, it's quite crazy. There's a lot of science involved in growing a marijuana plant, right? You know, especially nowadays, I think, I can't remember which one it is, but I think it's the female plant that actually has a bud because there's a male plant and there's a female plant and you need both, I think, in order to grow uh, like a plant. But yeah, the male plants grow hemp, hemp, right? Right. That's where the hemp
1: comes from. And the female plants is, yeah, is cannabis. And that's another thing that broken also down into two forms, either Indica sativa,
0: right? And there's a lot of controversy about that as a, as a, um, when it comes to which one affects others in certain ways and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, at least it's good. For those that don't know, sativa is supposed to be, make you feel alert and, you know, make you a little bit more creative. And then Indica is, is sort of has a nickname for Indicouch. It's supposed to make you more relaxed and tired and stuff like that. Um, but in my experience using both, I think that they, to some degree, do, they have the same effect. Right.
1: Yeah, cause, you know, but everybody will react differently to it, right? Everybody will react differently,
0: but this may seem common, but when I thought, um, because because using cannabis growing up, you never really knew what you were getting. You always had your dealer or whatever that would say, oh, you're getting Rockstar Kush or you're getting whatever, the, but you just sort of take their word for it, yeah, right? No. You have no idea. And, um, and so when I was able to purchase Sativa legally for the first time, I got all giddy and excited because I'm like, oh, nice. This is going to have, you know, a great effect on me. It's going to make me more alert and energized. And then I ended up using it and I'm like, okay, like I don't really feel anything different. So I sort of assumed like it would be, it, it would be, no, I sort of assumed it would be like drinking a Red Bull, you know, yeah, like yeah. you would drink a Red Bull and you're all like, ooh, like I'm ready to go.
1: Energize,
0: yeah, but it's, it's not, not in my experience it wasn't like that you know i find it's it makes you a little bit tired but also more creative one of my favorite things to do actually is when i do use it recreationally is to edit my videos for youtube i don't know i find that you can focus on one thing for longer periods of time so that can be good or bad right and also things like playing video games it's it's more fun but uh you know, it's had some good effects. And I think that overall, when it comes to recreational use, aside from that lazy stoner that we all sort of think of, or think thought of in the past, you know, for movies like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, right? Those little stoners, surfer guys. You know, I think that the medical implications of it is going to do some wonders as well. People with uh, epilepsy and do you know of any other... Oh, there's um, a, a list of 200.
1: Yeah. Everything from MS to uh, chemotherapy, cancer. Chemotherapy, right? Yeah, in particular the CBD product, like the CBD oils. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think the industry, everyone either talks medical or recreational. I think there's what is going to emerge as something sort of right in between, like call it lifestyle, the lifestyle cannabis mm-hmm. side which is gonna be bigger and, 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 and stronger than all the other two combined. Yeah. And that is, you know, CBD infused water, CBD yeah. infused uh, health products. And, you know, the, the fastest growing demographic using cannabis is a 50 plus year old female who's taken a very low THC, very high CBD product, you know, to manage anxiety and sleep disorders. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the yoga moms, if you want to call them, and they're going to want to have CBD infused, like just continually, you know, getting CBD into their body throughout the course of the day, whether it's through edibles, products,
0: cookies, chocolate, or water. And I think that's going to be the biggest boom. And I think that the way to work would be investing in those companies that are going to create CBD and also THC infused beverages. I think yeah, all, that's... Once all it, the beer
1: companies, all the wine companies, all the, all beer, the big... That's it. You know, Constellation Brands, all the yep. big uh, alcohol companies. Yes. That's what they're going into. And so they're manufacturing a wine um, that actually has no alcohol. Uh, that will be very sociable. People could have a glass of red wine or white wine. It's got a small amount of THC, so you're going to get that little bit of altered state that you want. You may be a little giddy, may laugh a little bit. But at the end of the day, drinking that every day to sort of relax at the end of the night will eventually be a lot healthier than consuming you know two or three glasses of alcohol. Is it infused with grapes day. though? It's, it's made from grapes but it's de-alcoholized and then it's infused with yeah. the cannabis.
0: I feel like you should just stick with the glass of wine. Yeah, I think and so. And then too. smoke the joint. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't know. Just before you go to bed. It just feels like there's too many processes in that. Be- yeah. Especially since fruit ferments which then turns into alcohol. Like that's a natural process if you would even call it that, right? That's just how it happens. So for you to sort of like interrupt that and be like, no, we're going to take the alcohol out of that. And the, it's almost like decaffeinated coffee. coffee. They, they yeah. say that that's worse for you than regular coffee because there's some, sort of like a process in between, a chemical process. Yeah, and, there, and
1: there's no, like, you know, we all know now coffee does have certain health benefits. Yeah, And so you lose those with the decaffeinated. So you're just, you're getting the bad stuff without the good stuff.
0: Yeah, that's, that's crazy. And in terms of like, you know, the f- the future of this industry, is, is that where you see it in those consumer products?
1: Yeah, that's where I see it. I mean, I, I think that you're, you know, in a few years time from now, you're going to any gas station, convenience store, you walk into, you're just going to be inundated with products all over their shelves that have the three letters CBD on them. Yeah. So, it's CBD chips, CBD chocolate, CBD gum, CBD yeah. like, and oh, for sure, people are gonna look at this as a new vitamin C, and just you know what, like if I'm gonna or or, or like an organic product, right? If I have to eat chips, I might as well get the ones with CBD in them because I know that's good for me. Or that has a help yeah, benefit. it has a help. I think that's where the market's gonna be. Yeah, most definitely. I think the you know because I've always been on the medical side. I think the uh, you know the longevity of the medical industry is gonna be. Uh, the correlation between whether or not insurance companies decide to cover it or not. Right. You know what I mean? Do you think once they will? Um, I think, yeah, I think eventually they will have to, um, you know, it, it's, it's hard to predict exactly when, but I think that, you know, once, um, uh, ins- uh benefit companies, you know, your employee benefits plan covers, let's say up to $2,500 a year in cannabis, then you would have to get a prescription order to qualify for that, or to have your insurance company pay for that, or your mm-hmm. benefits plan pay for that. So, I think that's the real, uh, you know, reason why the medical industry will s- stick around in cannabis. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, what if you've got the black market and you've got the consumer OCS, consumer retail market, and you can walk down and buy a product in a dispensary or in a retail yeah. outlet and come home with it right away versus going online and mm-hmm. getting a prescription and then being, you know, placed with an LP, ordering your product, yeah. waiting three days for it to show up. Uh, but, you know, the only thing better than weed is free weed. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, exactly. So right. your company's going to pay for Your company's going to
0: pick up the tab. You know,
1: the, the problem with that is the insurance company knows. I mean, right now, if you have a benefits plan with your employer that covers, um, you know, prescription drugs... Um, they know that, you know, uh, th- only 37%, let's say, of their employees are going to max out. Mm-hmm. Right? There's only so many times a year you're going to go get a prescription for amoxicillin, right? Yeah. But if it covers cannabis, then they believe, and I, I, I think they're right, is that, you know, probably 90 or 95% of the employees will max that out every single year. Yeah. Because once they're talking to friends and family at home and they say, like, hey, dude, you're... Your company pays for your cannabis, like hook a brother up, right? Yeah, so man. people will buy the full amount to stockpile it or to give it to friends and family. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, it, it's hard for the insurance companies to figure out how this can be profitable for them if everyone's going to use the maximum amount. And then employers, yeah, you know, they don't, you know what I mean? You have 30,000 employees at a bank, you know, and 90% of them are going to be maxing out on their can, like your rates and your premiums on. Your employee coverage has just gone through the roof.
0: It's not good. So or once bad? they,
1: you no, know, it's bad for the well. The company doesn't want extra expenditures, right? So once they can sort of figure out that balance and how they can make it work, then I think then the you know the uh, medical side will, will live and sustain.
0: Yeah, That's an interesting time, and one of the things that we also heard on the news lately, and we sort of had this idea, was the the licenses in order to be a licensed distributor or a licensed retailer. Right. Of uh, like they were giving out licenses, and it was supposed to be a thousand, and they gave it to twenty five right 25, right so can you can you just start applied. from the top? like can you
1: explain that? Yeah, so what they wanted to do was grant twenty five retail licenses mm-hmm. and it was a lottery draw. Um, it cost us seventy five dollars to go online and fill out the application. Um, I think they had seven hundred and fifty thousand people.
0: 750,000 applicants.
1: Applicants for 25 licenses. Wow. I think they just, because when I was leaving the show in Vancouver, uh, they had just published the list of the names of the individuals. Canada wide? Canada wide. uh, No, no. Ontario? Oh, wow. Canada
0: wide. Wow. That's insane. So that gives you the
1: entitlement to open up a retail shop next April and be able to. How many again, you said? 25.
0: No, no, no. How many people? How many? Applicants? I think it was 750,000. That's insane. And you know 500,000 of them were people sort of like you and us seeing opportunity in it. Yeah.
1: Everyone I talked to at the show had 10 or 15 or some, sometimes through family and friends, 20 applications that they paid for. And uh, you know, their whole thought was, let me get the license and then I'll sell that to the highest bidder. Yeah, literally. everybody's got, everybody Where would you go to that. sell it though? Just, I guess, post it online. Like a forum? Like a week forum. That you can sell it.
0: Really, eh? How yeah, much and, do you and, think and that it, would it, be? Came,
1: it came with stipulations. So you had to put your $75 down to apply. Once you're accepted, I think you had to come up within five days with $6,000 for your licensing fee. And you had to have proved that you've raised, I think, $50,000 know, towards uh, you know, renting or putting together a retail shop. And if you weren't ready to go live by April 1st, then you're fined $10,000. Mm-hmm. You're not live by May 1st, and there was another
0: $10,000 fine. So people either had to giddy up and go or you know, sell the license. That's crazy. But how, how would we sort of joked about buying one and then you know, getting rid of it, selling it? But how would that work? We'd have to prove that you have all that stuff $50,000 towards a. Retail Yeah, most people with
1: a line of credit, or some people could even do that. So, shit. How much would you sell that for? Hundred grand. If you have to put
0: six up front, fifty. Prove that you have spent fifty thousand. I would have to be pricey. You know what I mean?
1: Unless you just. But they're only giving twenty-five, and uh, you know, right across Ontario and Canada-wide. So, a lot of people would pay a lot of big money to have you know a cannabis retail outlet.
0: Yeah, that's just nuts. Um, but yeah, like it, it's been a crazy time, you know, when you think of sort of the history of cannabis and you think of the timeline of, you know, how a hundred years ago it was such a valuable tool that people were using, they were making. Did you know that the declaration of independence was made on hemp paper? Yeah, I knew that. That's just crazy. And, right? uh,
1: I don't know if you knew, but at the turn of the century, um, you know, 1901, 1903, cannabis was the number one prescribed medication. Right. They used to give this, uh, um, cannabis products to babies for teething. How crazy To help is that? them with their teething. And um, it was only in the late 30s when a movie called Me- uh, Refer Madness, Madness, Madness came yeah. out that sort of demonized the product. And, yeah. you know, tried to convince people that individuals that smoke marijuana, they, they lost their mind. They went insane. It killed all yeah. these brain cells. And so it had been... You know, listed as a Schedule One narcotic in the United
0: States, and it was just the
1: demon for all
0: these years. Yeah. And then it became sort of like that cultural thing in the 70s, right, with the hippie movement. Everybody was smoking weed and doing LSD and that. Yeah, which didn't help its cause, which only made it worse. Exactly. And uh, that's the shitty part, right, because it does have, you know, benefit for people that obviously need it. And I think, you know, just even talking about hemp, hemp has— you know, tremendous applications as well. I've heard that, you know, braided hemp is like 10 times stronger than steel or something like that. I'm paraphrasing and don't have the exact numbers. But, you know, I've heard that that has also some great applications for it as well. And, you know, even in stores, they sell those like hemp hearts, which is like a good source of fiber and protein. And, and you know, it's just sad that for, you know, hundreds of years – or not for hundreds of years, but I would say yeah, along 100 years, years that it's been demonized and seen as something that's, you know – that people shouldn't take or that it would, you know, cause you to be stupid or it's a gateway drug, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's pretty weird. when you think of, you know, alcohol related deaths and then cannabis, cannabis related deaths. And you compare the two, it just doesn't really make sense.
1: No. I mean, alcohol has obviously taken more lives and ruined more families than cannabis could ever do.
0: Yeah. So for the most part, like Trump would say, it was all fake news. It was all, it was all (laughs) fake news. Um, but what, have you been paying attention to what he s- says about it? Was he for it? He will be for it. Um, but in his election, because there must have been a marijuana question. I'm not too into politics. No, I don't, I
1: don't remember <laughs> part of his platform. You know what I mean? I think he's just concerned about building the wall. Yeah. Eh? Uh, I wasn't talking about cannabis. But I, I think that you know, Trump's a business person at the end of the day, and I don't think he's going to like watching all these U.S. companies uh, crossing the border to go public and go do their IPOs in Canada. Yeah, you know what I mean. He will want to keep that money in his own country, so I think part of his platform, um, you know, for two thousand and twenty, will be legalization. Yeah, that'll definitely I be think, big. You know, what I mean, the uh, Democrats uh, as as well. They will. That'll be part of their platform.
0: It has to be right. Um, it's just too trendy, and there's just going to be too much attention on it for reporters not to even touch up on it. It'll yeah,
1: be... I mean, but we talked earlier about the the revenue, right? Like eight hundred million from October to uh, end of uh, December on the recreation side of $5.7 billion, uh, across Canada, which is a tenth of the size of the U.S. So, you know, there's, you know, s- especially if they, they need $5 billion to build a wall, like there's no way that the American yeah. people want to shy away from taxes on that type of potential.
0: Yeah. And one of the weird things also is that Was- the state of Washington is legal. And, of course, what's in Washington is the, uh, what do you call it, is where the president lives. What's that called again? Um, The White House. The White House. Yeah, Yeah, the White House. Uh, And that's where the White House is. So it's weird that the state that it's in is legal, but it's illegal federally. And I remember seeing, like, marijuana documentaries in California where the FBI (laughs) would break down into these... These small mom and pop weed store owners and bust them down despite them actually, you know, having licenses in the state of California to sell. So that's sort of weird how the FBI has its own mandate and has their own, you know, resources. Don't forget, like in
1: the state of California, in Colorado, if you walk outside your house or walk in your backyard and smoke a joint... From a state perspective, that's totally legal, but from a federal perspective, you are breaking the law. Weird. That is illegal. Doesn't make sense. So if you had one neighbor on one side of the fence that works for the FBI, the federal government, and one is a state trooper, one looks at you and says, hey, he's not doing anything wrong, and the other one says that... that so who's right? That SOB is breaking the law. So who's right? They're both right. Because you're breaking the federal law, so but then- you're...
0: Uh, you're not breaking a state law. What would happen then? Like, uh, actually, doesn't the FBI have nothing's more? Nothing's really
1: happening now. It's no, kind I don't. Of...
0: But doesn't the FBI have more say than, a lo- like, a local, you know, a municipal uh, uh, police officer? They do. So I mean, if you, I think
1: that if you were growing, if you had to grow up inside yeah. your house, yeah. producing hundreds or thousands of pounds of marijuana, then the FBI neighbor is gonna. You know, look a little closer into that versus watching someone just smoking a joint that they legally bought at a dispensary down the road. But um,
0: that was one of the things also that I thought was interesting is how in Ontario you're allowed to grow your own cannabis plant. I never would have thought that they they would allow that just on the basis that it could be potentially competitive with the Ontario cannabis store.
1: Right, but the only but just to be corrected, the only ones that can grow. Uh, Cannabis in their homes, you have to have a medical document. Really? So you have to have a prescription. And you're allowed to grow four and only four, up to four plants. So the average Joe... Or you can designate someone to grow those four plants for you. The average Joe can't do it? The average Joe can't do it, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's interesting. No, but if you have a prescription, a medical document, then you can grow up to four plants. I think it'd be kind
0: of fun. Yeah, and so, you know,
1: there was talk, there was a couple people that I met down at this... uh, show in Vancouver where they were putting some uber type kind of app together so they you know you could sign up they'll bring four plants to your house you grow oh, them wow. and then it's kind of like a pot sharing program you pay membership and so they're not actually selling you pot but all these people will grow it and all these people will benefit from it and yeah. it'll just be so much, at the end of the day you're paying three dollars a gram versus ten dollars yeah so you're going to see hundreds of different business models and Entrepreneurial businesses come out to say,
0: "Hey, how do we get pot
1: to people cheaper?"
0: And yeah, and that's the interesting when an industry emerges like that. There's all sorts of people who are opportunists who look into not only products but okay, what apps can we do that'll serve people better? Like, have you ever heard of Weed Maps? Yep. Weed Maps, for those that don't know, is just an app that you use and it'll let you know about local dispensaries in your area. Deals, discounts. And it's crazy, like you wouldn't think that oh when pot becomes legal in Canada that even though it was, I think it's an American app so it's been in California for a long time but it has an application in Ontario now obviously so it lets people know of all these great uh, uh, or all these dispensaries in the area. So it's weird to think of other apps that you know would come about because of that. You know what I mean? And so who knows when the next Uber for weed delivery or you know what I mean? Uber Eats, Uber Weeds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Weed That's delivery. So yeah. So that'll be weird. Is, is there any laws against that? Like No, I don't, I don't think, think so. so. The delivery no. of weed, is that the service that can be provided?
1: Yeah, hey, Canada Post has been doing it for 20 years. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Right? Behind the doors, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I personally know people that have ordered... Cannabis illegally for the last twenty year, twenty years online from the from BC. Yeah, but that's because and Canada Post. Delivered in a Post little black bag
0: through Canada Post. Yeah, but that's because Canada Post didn't. They don't know what's inside the package, right?
1: Well, they I'm sure they know. They just turned a blind eye to it, and quite frankly, it wasn't crossing any borders, so yeah. it wasn't up to the scrutiny that you know you typically would have if you were trying to mail packages yeah. to. Uh, you know, to the United States, but uh, and I can
0: imagine the average mail clerk is just trying to get rid of their packages as much as they possibly can, so that they don't pile up, right? They yeah. don't care where it comes from, probably. No,
1: they don't care where it's come from, but they know that all these shipments covered in black, <coughs> black plastic from B.C. Yeah. to residential homes in Toronto, and yeah, geez, you know, I'm sure they knew what was inside them.
0: Yeah, that's true. But uh, yeah, I guess that sort of wraps things up. Is there any else, any other bases that we haven't covered in terms of marijuana space? No, I think that's pretty much it. I and mean, we've got you know your rec market, you've got your
1: medical market, and um, Consumer. you know, your yeah your lifestyle market. And um, it'll you know, be interesting. This conversation we have today is going to be completely irrelevant in a year from now because in a year from that's now that's yeah. how fast this industry has changed.
0: And it'll be interesting to see when there's like a Gatorade. Uh, for for weed, right? Like instead of offering electrolytes, it's gonna be CBD oils and stuff like that. So oh, it's gonna
1: be CBD everything.
0: CBD coffee. CBD. But that be They nice. have that already
1: now. They do. Yeah, they sell. Um, I think it's Cantrust has a product where you can buy CBD infused tea or coffee that uh, comes in pods for your Keurig. For sure. No way. Odorless,
0: yeah. no smell. You put it in. And I gotta your talk your to my HR department. Coffee. Not that I have any interest, but I wonder. I, I'm curious to know what the rule is because they they said the THC related products you're not allowed to use on the job. They said that literally October seventeenth, right when it, the day it became legal. But I wonder for CBD, they're, they it's not illegal. No, CBD wouldn't legal. be illegal. I mean,
1: it, it's no different than alcohol, right? Like, um, you know, every company you know has policies and procedures in place where you just don't come to work hammered.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? If you want to go
1: to lunch and have five martinis and go back to work,
0: like... That's on you. That's on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's the same for for pot. So the employee
1: that goes and splits a beer with somebody or has one beer at lunch and goes back to work and still does the same job or is operating equipment and not a danger to himself or anyone else, then nobody really cares. Yeah. When he comes back slurring his his, his words and he's operating equipment or machinery, then yeah, there's an issue. Mm -hmm. So I think it'll be the same. Yeah. You know,
0: same with cannabis. Okay, guys. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Um, And yeah, if you want to, for those that don't know, uh, my dad is a uh, photographer, right? Um, So check him out on Instagram um, at uh, Stephen Moore Photography. Underscore. Stephen Moore underscore photography. No, Stephen Moore. Photography photography underscore. underscore. Um, And yeah, you can reach out to him uh, for any of those types of needs. He does uh, some great photos there. Um, Be sure to check me out on YouTube at Bryce Kicks as you all mostly knew. And that pretty much wraps up everything. So guys, it's been such a pleasure. Take care. Have an amazing day. And uh what's like a weed cliche? Stay high? No. Yeah. Um what would what would they say? I don't know. I hear you knocking but you can't come in. <laughs> yeah. What's that from? and Chung movie. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah, one last thought. My, what? Vinyls. There is a Cheech and Chong vinyl. It's one of the most rare vinyls that you can get. I think we may have talked about this before, but, and you would know this better than I would, but when you used to buy vinyls back in the day, wasn't there a layer, like a, a like a thin sheet that would separate the vinyl from the uh, from the packaging? Yeah. Um, and so this Cheech and Chong vinyl that's super rare, it used to just be like this humongous rolling, rolling paper. paper. yeah, I heard that. So that's like the most rare one. Awesome. Anyways, well, guys. Thanks, guys. Had a great time. Yeah, take care. Bye. Bye.